0: This is conversations with Mashi Lipsker. And I'm good nerve Shabbos. I'm Mashi Lipsker. Delighted to be with you. I want to say hi to all our friends at our parents' home. And hope that you're all doing well. And what a special week it is, what a special parsha, what a special season. Of course we had Purim. And Purim is a most wonderful season. And we're going toward Pesach. And Pesach is an incredible, incredible season. And Pesach leads us to the time of the giving of the Torah. Matan Torah, Shavuot. We're in a holy season indeed. And it's noteworthy to mention that Purim starts a season of redemption. We had a great... Redemption, we had a great Yeshua, we had a great Geula, redemption at the time of Purim. We celebrate Purim and 30 days later we celebrate the great redemption exodus from Egypt, Pesach. But Pesach is not just a yontif on its own. Pesach is the beginning of the counting, the anticipation to get God's Torah, to get the Direction, to get guidance as to how to live. The word Torah is from the word Hora'ah, guidance. And indeed, the guidance that we need in this world of darkness, in this world of duality or seeming duality of physical and spiritual, is the most important gift we can have. It's the ability to live in this world, connected to the truth, to the source of this world, the ability to live in this world, but be connected to our mission, which is a spiritual mission. So from the redemption of Purim, we go to the redemption of Pesach. But it's not just about, yay, we're free. Free to do what? How can we hold on to that sense of freedom, of liberation, and make it part of our lives so that every day we live with a sense of clarity. We'll be right back after this short message. This is Conversations with Mashi Lipsker. good nerve, Shabbos. Delighted to be with you as we prepare for Pesach. But Pesach really is so much more than just how to clean up, how to prepare the food, the wonderful seder. Pesach is called Zman Chiruseinu, the time of our liberation. Can anybody liberate somebody else? On a deeper level, no. Yes, somebody can be taken out of jail. But then, what do they do with their lives? Somebody can be released from bondage. Somebody can have a difficulty removed from them, a worry, a fear. But what do they do afterwards when things are okay? It takes inner transformation to really concretize and make liberation permanent. And so, our sages have given us, we have four special Torah readings that are read as a preparation for Pesach. The first one is read before the month of Adar comes in. It's called Shkalim. And Shkalim is about a census that was taken. Then the next special reading is the one before Purim. It's called Zachor, Remembering. Remembering what Amalek the ancestor of Haman did to us. The third reading, Parah, speaks about the red heifer, that very complex, mysterious mitzvah of a certain type of ash from an animal that had no more than two black hairs, a, a cow, a calf, and that That ash would be sprinkled on a person and make them pure, but the person sprinkling himself would become impure. And finally, there's one called HaChodesh, speaking about the newness, speaking about time, speaking about the new moon. But each one of these is a preparation for Pesach. The first one, Shkalim, a census, that every person counts, that each one of us has to achieve a sense of freedom that we put into our own lives and plow back into the world, what was done with the coins that were given in order to count the people? Those coins were used to buy the public offerings for the year to come, the Carbonois Tommy, the carbonized Zibor. Interesting. Those atoned for people on a daily basis. It doesn't make sense. You just gave a coin and suddenly you were atoned for? Very interesting. The Parsha of Zahor, where we remember the ancestor of Haman and all the Hamans, and we're told to eradicate them, but it's about remembering Remembering is very important, and we have to see why. Poro, which is purification, also doesn't make sense. Sprinkling, and then you're pure? What is this? And hachodesh, speaking about time. But all four of these are components in true liberation. True liberation is not to have nothing to do, no pressures, no responsibilities, The first thing is, we need to be part of a community. We need not only to deal with ourselves, but to give to the group. We need to build a community. Because without that, we ourselves will be lacking. We are okay on our own sometimes. But what community does for us and for our children is much more than what we do for the community. So the concept of community, it's not just about counting the individuals and each one gave a coin. No, all those coins together became a unit. And it has to do with communal sacrifice. And we have to realize that when we stand on our own, very often our misdeeds are very, very focused on, they're highlighted but when we are in the group and when we are working with the group in a sense we are looked at we are judged as a unit and it's so important that we realize the power of the unity, the power of community that's the beginning of freedom it's protection for the future in addition remembering It's not just about today. It's about the history. In the Haggadah, we go all the way back to the beginning. Remembering takes you back. It's important to reflect. If we don't stop and pause and reflect, it's difficult to go forward. Para, purification, is a fascinating concept that one can be transformed from one extreme to the other. It is possible, and ultimately, to understand the concept of time, hachodesh, time, mastering time. Time does not rule us. We can harness time. So many messages in these four incredible portions and how they prepare us for Pesach. But what we want to focus on want to focus on the concept of freedom. We want to focus on the concept of we're going into Pesach. How is para a preparation for Pesach? We live in a world of turmoil, a world of darkness, a world of conflict, a world of choices, a world of confusion. We long to be free. We long to be at peace. How can we access that? How can we actually negotiate the difficulties of life and remain balanced? Obviously, people are, we are a body and a soul. We are spiritual and physical. How can we find how can we balance the two Torah gives us guidance it explains exactly how to do this and it's as applicable today as it ever was and the Torah reading this week an incredible Torah reading has an extra reading the reading about the red heifer we want to focus on that but first, this short break. This is Conversations with Mashi Lipsker. Agut Shabbos. I'm Mashi Lipsker. We're in an incredible week. We're about to finish the second Torah, the second book of the five books of Moses, the book of Exodus, the book of Shmois. And it finishes with a double Parsha. This incredible, incredible Parsha that brings together the building of the tabernacle, how things were donated, how things were built, and the tally, the total sum of everything. Who brought these things? Every individual. And ultimately, together, they made a house for God. That's our desire. Our desire is to make a house for God. It's the desire to live a balanced, peaceful life. Because when you look at the word house, house is very physical. You speak about Hashem. Hashem is the ultimate in spiritual. How do you make a house for God? How do we bring together, how do we synthesize our physical and spiritual? How do we find peace how do we find direction? How do we know that what we're doing is right, which brings us tremendous menuchas ha peace of mind? How do we know that we're using time correctly? How do we know that we're using our money correctly? How do we know? And of course, Torah guides us. And the four special portions that lead up to the festival of Pesach, the festival of liberation, which as mentioned is not just becoming free, but it's about going onward to receive the Torah so that we have direction and guidance into how to make this world a home for God. And the portion that we read this week is an amazing portion. For two weeks, we've had the concept of giving and The half coins become a communal sacrifice, giving to make the community strong. And before Purim, we read about remembering. It's not about now, we live in the modern times. There is so much history and so much wisdom that we need to draw on. And of course, this week and onwards, we're going to read about purification and then about time. I must interject at this point that all of these are reflected in the wonderful Sinai and Daba that our chief rabbi has organized for our community. This is the seventh year, quite mind-boggling, to bring so much learning, so much stimulation, so much culture, so much enrichment to our community. And we thank him, we congratulate him, and we wish him great success in this and all his future wonderful endeavors. So we come to the Parsha, but we come to the special Torah reading of Pora. What is it about? Porah is a strange, strange mitzvah. The mitzvah is in Parsha's Chukas, and it says, is chukas This is the law of the Torah. This is the mitzvah of the Torah. Really? What kind of mitzvah is this? It doesn't make sense. We can't grasp it at all. It's not rational. It's totally above. It's super rational, beyond understanding. There are mitzvahs that make sense. We left Egypt. We have Pesach. We got the Torah. We have Shavuot, commemorative laws. We have other laws as well. Between man and man, honor your parents. Don't steal. We would have figured those out on our own. They have a place in rationale. But para taking a red heifer, sprinkling its ash on someone, which causes them to be transformed and pure, makes no sense. But the Torah says this is what it's about. This is the law of the Torah. This is the statute. It shows its deep divine source. Our minds cannot grasp it. What makes this, this one, so special that this is the mitzvah of the Torah? Because this one clearly shows the power to transform. It shows how someone who was unholy becomes holy. It eludes and it gives us the message that somehow Torah has the power to change confusion to clarity To bring light where there was darkness. To bring hope where there was despair. That's what the world needs today. It's precisely we must remember that the mitzvahs we don't understand, that mitzvah that we resist, they are the catalysts for real transformation for us. Often, the change that we so need, we resist. We want to do that mitzvah the least. It doesn't appeal to us. It doesn't make sense to us. But that's the exact indication because it's a mitzvah and it comes our way and we're being taught about it. It's an indication that there lies tremendous growth and change for us. If it wasn't so, it wouldn't bother us. It wouldn't annoy us. It wouldn't give us this feeling of it's not for me. But we need a leader. We need someone who can show us and guide us. There's so much in the world, so many choices. And we want someone to say, do this. This is the call of the hour. We thank the chief rabbi for his leadership. But of course, you all know that I am Chabad. And that some 46 years ago, my husband and I had the privilege to be sent to this country by the Lubavitcher Rebbe of Blessed Memory. And indeed, we've been privileged to witness and to be part of a Yiddishkeit revolution and transformation in Johannesburg, in South Africa. And the question is, how did it happen? I'm so blessed that today I have a special guest with me on the radio. She's my special daughter, her name is Leia Shemtov. Welcome, Leia. Hi. <coughs> Wonderful to be here. Thank you for having me. Well, it's a very special week in our family. Baruch Hashem, all our children have come here to celebrate my husband's special birthday. And for us, this is really the ultimate joy and naches. Obviously, we have many spiritual children in the community, but the Kinder they are your friends. They are the ones that complete you. And I'm delighted that Leia has agreed to come on to the radio this morning because Leia and her dear husband, Moishi, have been working for the Rebbe for many, many years. I think if your child, um, from the time your child is born, they are part of the business. Remember that story with Devorah, uh, my second daughter, uh, Leia's older sister, Dini, in Beijing, they had this custom on Friday night to go around the table, and everyone would say, I am so-and-so from this and that place, and this is the work I do. Introduce yourself, because there in Beijing, they have a virtual United Nations around their Shabbos table, and little Devorah was four years old, sitting on her father's lap, And they would always include the children. So when it came to Devora's turn, she said, I'm Devora Freundlich, and I live in Beijing. And she wanted to say, as everyone said, what they do, what their work is. And she was trying to get the word Lubavitch, I'm a Lubavitch out, was hard for her. And she looked around, and there was a big picture of the Rebbe on the wall. And she pointed the picture, and she said, "I, I work for that man. And indeed... What a privilege, what an honor, little children, older people, and everyone in between, to be able to take guidance and direction from the incredible gift that the generation has been given called the Rebbe. And we are gifted this week that our children, who are doing the work of the Rebbe around the world, have all gathered to be with us for a few days. And we want to hear a little bit about what goes on in Stamford, Connecticut. Leah has created some very innovative programs. And I want to speak about something that started with Leah, something called Loaves of Love, which is quite well known today because essentially the Rebbe beamed out love and acceptance. He wanted us to do mitzvahs because he knew that any mitzvah we do will transform us. It looks so simple. Sprinkle a bit of ash on someone and they're transformed. Light a candle for Shabbos. Immerse in the mikveh. Wrapped film. But The amazing thing is there is transformation. It's like above and beyond. You get this gift. Suddenly you become more sensitized. As people have said to me, I didn't want to do those things, but, you know, I think differently now. I receive spiritual messages differently now. I am different. So, Leah, tell us about one of these incredible programs that has absolutely grown and is being used all over the world, this Loaves of Love. So... <clears throat>
1: In our community, we try to think how we can reach out to those that may not be thought about necessarily, may need a little something, and anybody that can use an extra dose of love. It may be a mom who had a new baby, someone who, God forbid, has suffered a loss, someone who's feeling lonely, and really anyone in the community is welcome to recommend someone to receive Loaves of Love. And every Friday, we package up between 8 to 15 packages that volunteers then go around delivering. And in the package is homemade challah, homemade chicken soup with matzo balls, otherwise known as knedlach, and some grape juice, some Shabbos candles, and just a little dose of love. And as we say, who couldn't use an extra dose of love? Amazing. So who bakes these challahs? So every couple of months, we have a Loaves of Love cooking marathon where parents come with their children, people of all ages, families, singles, couples, individuals come and help us peel and chop and cook and package up, and we load up the freezer, and then every Friday morning, we prepare the beautiful packages, we recruit the volunteers, and the packages get sent out across Stanford bringing that little message that you're not forgotten, you're not alone, and it's a little taste of Shabbos.
0: And the inspiration for this is the Rebbe.
1: Well, certainly all of the work that we do is inspired by the Rebbe, and I feel very privileged to have been raised in the home where I was raised, that it was truly imbued with a feeling of love for others, which came directly from the Rebbe. My parents lived and breathed that message of the Rebbe to make a warm home, to make the warmth and joy of Yiddishkeit accessible to everyone and anyone. Mm. And really, it's what we were fed from very young children. And it's what what has nurtured my soul, what has inspired me to live the life that I lead. And it is what I hope and pray for my own children, Mm. to be able to have what I experienced in some measure from my incredible parents. And as my mother mentioned this week, to be together with my siblings from around the world, And to be with our parents and to just tap in and be nurtured and nurture one another and share that feeling of warmth and joy and the beauty of the lives that my parents have inspired us all to live.
0: You know, what's been incredible is the community. The community, and of course, today we have several communities the original community and now the Hyde Park community and so on. But the community, South Africans in particular, feel very connected to each other's children, to one another. It's a very special community. And we, we did have a celebration and the messages coming through are to see your children. In other words, very often you think of the rabbi as somebody who's got a job. But when you see the human side, and this is what the Rebbe so wanted, he didn't want us to make shuls. He wanted us to make chabad houses. And the parsha of this week is all about making a home for Hashem. How do you make a home for Hashem? Do you get wood? Do you get bricks? Even gold and silver? Crystal? No. Each one of us has the power to make a home for Hashem, not only in our hearts, but in our space. But when we think about children and you're talking about you hope to pass it on to your kindalach, I know that you and many emissaries of the Rebbe live in communities where there is not a school or a yeshiva for your children. How and of course I know what you and your husband have tried to do um, for your own children, but you have an incredible sense of responsibility which is inspiring indeed. you see when we have to deal with our own children and we just worry about them it's one thing but here again we have this idea of sense of communal responsibility that, If we nurture the community, we will get so much more back. And I know when it came to sending your children to school, you made schools and you created schools and you made lessons. But ultimately, tell us about that incredible Chabad online school program.
1: So being raised in South Africa, we were very privileged that we had the Torah Academy, And at the Torah Academy, we were imbued with excellence in education on every level. Um, This community is blessed. Many Jewish institutions, a large, strong community. And in Stamford, we have a beautiful community. Many South Africans, we stay close together. And a special shout out to all of my South African friends in Stamford, Connecticut, they give us a little flavor of the Al-Taheim. They give us a little flavor of life in South Africa, and they truly are a true family when we're f- so far from our own family. And um, for our own children, we looked to have a strong Chabad education, which was not available in Stamford, as many other shluchim experience, like us. So um our children are on the online school and they go to school every day in front of the computer in a virtual classroom. They have, you know, 10 to 16 children in their class. They wear a school uniform and their teacher is live. They have teachers from all over the world and they have friends from Denmark. They have friends from Turkey. They have friends from Nebraska And they come together to study, to learn, in what you would call a typical classroom environment. The teacher sees them. They see the teacher. Their books are in front of them. There's a whiteboard. They communicate. And what's truly incredible is that you wonder, you know, this is not what we were raised with. How does it impact them? How does it impact them in their studies, in their socialization. And just a few weeks ago, we had the International Kinnus Hashluchais, the conference from Chabad emissaries from all over the world. And simultaneously, they run a program for the children. And there, my girls got to spend three days with their classmates, their classmates from all over the the world. And in fact, my daughters, Musi and Sterni, are in eighth grade they're graduating online school this year and they had a graduation trip for two days spending time with 35 girls it's a few classes combined just connecting with the girls they know so well from the screen
0: we'll be right back after this short break this is conversations with moshi lipsker a Good Nerv Shabbos. The days are getting shorter. We're lighting candles at 6.15. Sorry, 6.13 today. Yes. We're going to hold on to summer for as long as we can. And of course, do something special this Friday. Phone someone. Message someone. Remind them that candle lighting's getting earlier. Have that mitzvah in mind, not only for yourself, but for a friend. And the merit goes to both of you. We can't get enough merits. We can't get enough of doing things that are going to uplift and protect us and bring us blessing. When we think of Hashem, we notice that Hashem is thinking about us. Of course, He always thinks about us. When we do something to make Hashem more known in this world, when we enrich someone else's life, the blessings, Hashem's blessings, become clearer in our own lives. On the radio with me today, I'm so thrilled to have my daughter Leah, Leah Shemtov. Leah and her dear husband Moishi live in Stamford, Connecticut, which is just over an hour's drive out of Brooklyn, out of Crown Heights, out of the center of Chabad there. And the work that they do there is, in a sense, similar to the work. Of thousands of the Rebbe's emissaries around the world. And there are problems that they encounter. Like Jewish education for their children. And we're talking about an innovative program. A program that my dear son-in-law Moishi actually conceptualized and brought into being. An incredible, incredible program which serves Leia how many children? About <clears throat> over a thousand children Ooh. worldwide, and you have they start from very young.
1: Starts from preschool through eighth grade, so uh, till high school. All
0: on the all on the computer.
1: So it's actually started out as the homeschool phone school, and my husband, who at that time was working in the Shluchim office, a resource center for Chabad Shluchim all over the world recognized the need for many shluchim who were homeschooling their children, living in small communities, not having a Jewish education readily available to them and for them. And um they chose to use the technology of conference calling, and they thought that they could create a classroom for children. And in the beginning, it was phone school where children would phone in, and over the past 10 years, they have developed a world-class school with incredible technology um, where the children really, it's in- absolutely interactive. It's absolutely, it's in real time, live, teachers that are interacting with their children. And what's most exceptional is that these children come into high school right on par with their peers Um having spent time, what you would think would be perhaps an education that wasn't complete, but it's, you know, been, it's very forward thinking um, when it started, but today it's really been utilized in the most exceptional way. Children from all over the world, in the United States, there's Eastern Time Zone, Western Time Zone, they have a European school, they have in English and in Hebrew, and it's it's really quite incredible what has become available for the shluchim's children all over the world. And we're very inspired um, by, you know, not only the work of the shluchim but the programs that have become available to enable them to do the work that they need to do and to focus on the work that they need to focus on. And personally, we feel very lucky and privileged to be able to, have this resource available to us and have our children studying with friends from all over the world, with like-minded peers, um, getting a stellar education in Torah, in Hasidus, in, in just learning how to be a mensch and being able to socialize and interact across the ocean, over the sound waves in a very real way. And it's hard to imagine it. You know, we sometimes think like our children today, their socialization is different to what we're used to. They're texting, they're messaging, and maybe they're missing something. But when I see my children coming together with their friends once a year in the winter camp in December, which is our winter in America, at the International Kinesashluchim, at the Kines, at the Children's Convention, I see that they have true friends. And that they are able to connect and relate in the most amazing way. Mm. And it's a true blessing and
0: truly exceptional and inspiring. Sure, because parents either had to homeschool or send their children away from the age of seven. And it was a very, very big chesed on the part of your husband to think of and to create and to implement this. But who runs it now for... A thousand children? I mean, I imagine there are preschoolers and boys and girls and Israelis. And how does it run? So there are many different divisions and they
1: have a tech division and they have coordinators and teachers and they have principals. And of note, I would like to give a special shout out to the principal of the American Boys School, who's actually Rabbi Yaakov Ringo, Born and raised in South Africa, um, his parents, Mervyn and Hilary Ringo, raised him here, went to the Torah Academy, and today he lives in Montreal. He is pursuing, I believe, his PhD in, um, I believe, in some level of education, but he is the principal of the Boys Online School, doing an unbelievable job over these past few years in really nurturing each student uh, in really supporting each teacher in really looking out for the details and ensuring that each child is getting what they need, that their needs are being met, um as you would expect a principal to do in an average school, in a regular school, in a school of brick and mortar. <laughs> and right there in the online school, although the child might be thousands of miles away, Rabbi Ringo is thinking about them, is reaching out to them, is nurturing them and ensuring that they have exactly what they need hmm. on an educational level, on an emotional level, hmm. on a social level. So I think South Africa can be South Africa can be really proud of, you know, the 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 individuals that were born and raised here and have gone out around the world to become Teachers and mentors and leaders, each in their own right.
0: Awesome, awesome, awesome. It, it's mind boggling actually when I think of it because I know that my little granddaughters in Mauritius are on this online school and they're little. The one is six, the other one's four. And I believe they joined the Hebrew program. They don't speak Hebrew. But it's fascinating to watch and to see. Very structured, et cetera. Tell me, Leah, do they get homework? They absolutely get homework.
1: And if your child is missing from school, you get a note, an email, and you get a weekly report from each teacher, and obviously there's report cards and they have projects and they have to work, collaborate with other friends. And the teacher could put them in a breakout room to work simultaneously with with a, a smaller group of friends. So it's truly incredible. <laughs> and it's, you know, we just had Purim and we went to the post office with a big box of Shalach manas to give out to your friends. And we mailed it around the world, try to keep the packages light and you know, filling out the customs form to send shalach Manas to Denmark or around the world, and what was needed to Costa Rica. To so truly incredible, um, the Shluch, the Nigri Shluchim online school run oh. by the Shluchim office, and um, what a blessing and what a fascinating, exceptional program. Sure.
0: Another question: Do they have books?
1: So, at the beginning of the school year, you have to order all of the books, and they get shipped to you with your school uniform, which is a vest with the school logo. And every Sunday, um, some of the teachers will email work that needs to be printed. There's a dashboard that the children can go online and print any homework, can print any sheets that they need. Um, But all over the world, they're following the same textbooks that they've gotten at the beginning of the year. The homework needs to be signed. You know, think about the things that each mom needs to do with their children in a regular school setting. And those things are present in online schooling as well. Do they get a break? They do get break, and they get lunch break. And once in a while, they even have a special program where you get a list of supplies. They do baking online. They do projects online. They have Rosh Chodesh gatherings online. So it's quite exceptional what they've managed to do with modern technology. And Um, do they have a graduation online? So um, (laughs) every year... At the time of the Kinnis, when they come together, we have a day of celebration, and each class does a presentation. And yes, at the end of the school year, they will have a graduation where family and friends from all over the world are invited to attend. online. You
0: don't have to pay an airline ticket, (laughs) and you can come to the graduation. Amazing. I remember you telling me that they once had, not they once, but these programs where they do come together, everybody gets a part in a dance or in a play, and then they come together in person and they're able to practice and perform together. This year at the Kinnis, at the Day of Celebration, each class
1: did a dance or a play and they got their lines online, they got the movements that they had to do, they're sending videos back and forth, they're practicing the songs and the movements and the dance. They came, they each got their little costume and got on stage as if it was choreo. Choreographed and practiced all together, but in fact, they'd each done it in their own little vacuum wow. and performed together. Truly
0: incredible. Incredible. The possibilities are great. And I remember that Chava in Beijing had a bat mitzvah. They had some sort of bat mitzvah celebration and everyone, the teachers sent them a shawl. There were pictures. We got invited. We can come online. It was so moving. Amazing. So the possibilities... And, and that's what strikes me. When we have a challenge, very often people say, we're limited. God has dealt us this, this hand. There were blessings, but ah, there are limitations. This online school tells me that there are no limitations. Obviously no situation is perfect till the Mashiach comes, but it tells me that where there's a will in Hashem opens up doors for us. And I find this very, very moving. Leah, before we end, there are other programs that I've seen you do, which have been very warm and moving for me. But tell us a little bit about what takes up the bulk of your time. I know you're involved in education on the ground.
1: So over the past few years, I've become very involved in our Chabad Preschool in Stanford. Um, close to 100 children. And it's been very enriching in my own life personally to be involved in a day-to-day level with young children. Um, Being involved with young children gives you a deep appreciation for the world and to be able to see the world through the eyes of young children. And while we are a Chabad preschool imbuing the children with the warmth and joy and love of Yiddishkeit. On an educational level, we are also a Reggio-inspired program and have been for the past 13 years. And Reggio is a philosophy that started in Italy, but really looks at each child as an individual as each child is a capable individual. And one of the reasons that we were drawn to the Reggio approach is that it so mirrors what the Torah teaches us and what Hasidus tells us, that each individual has tremendous potential. And they may seem small, but there's great potential within them. And that when we look at each opportunity, at each child, at each person, with the wealth of potential and opportunity that they have and nurture that in them, it is unbelievable what they can accomplish. And to see that in young children and to see that in a very real sense, young children respond so incredibly to love, to warmth, to knowledge, and being able to see that children have within them so much to share. And it gives you the inspiration and the understanding that we as adults also have tremendous potential. And we have a lot that we can still recognize and realize. And not to be limited by our fears, not to be limited by what seems to be the reality, but to know that the possibilities are endless. So at Ganyela Dim in Stanford, we're privileged, we're honored to work with children every day. And I feel very lucky to be able to take that message of our shlichus, the message of the Rebbe, to families from all walks of life, to reach them through their children. Hmm. And I think that was one of the greatest gifts that I received from the Rebbe, to be raised in a home where it wasn't just the life's work of my parents, but the children were part and parcel of it. And I see that when you live life, you know, my days are very full, but I don't see myself as working full time. My children are involved in the work that I do. The work that I do is my life's dream and my life's goals, and I, I just—it's just part and parcel of who we are. Not so much work. So, um, one of the things that I can definitely say is that let your children be involved. Let them be part of your passions. Let them help you prepare for Shabbos. Let them be part of the good things that you're doing. And um, it will enrich their lives, but it will give you so much. (laughs) And my blessing to each of you is that we should each be blessed that we have children in our lives, individuals that look to us for warmth, for guidance. And we give people in our lives the opportunity to participate in the good things that we will do (laughs) and that
0: we do do. Awesome. And it sounds like that's exactly what you do you have these communal um, programs that reach out to others, but those who participate in preparing and doing become so enriched. The sense of community, sense of responsibility to community, which becomes an incredible joy in our lives. So it's Parshas Vayakhel Pakude, gathering together, looking at the, Individuals looking at the group, and it's also when we end the Torah with the prayer and with the statement "Chazak, Chazak, Venis be strong, be strong, and let us strengthen ourselves and strengthen each other. Have a good Shabbos. Thank you so much for coming on to the program. It was fascinating indeed, and may we merit to build our communities and to remember. Who benefits the most? Wow, it's quite endless. We benefit the most. Our children benefit the most. And may God bless us all to ultimately see this world as a dwelling place, as a home for him, where all of his children have joy and peace and live together in an incredible unified world. Good Shabbos.